Hi, I'm Manu Entereme, Ichab from Star Trek Voyager and the executive producer of The Circuit Urbiesa, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another interstellar edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie, and I'm very excited to be talking about brand new, never-before-seen Star Trek. I've been waiting 12 years for this, and now it's finally here. Naturally, we have to talk about it, so I'm going to activate the transporter and bring in some people who can help. Okay, standing before me on the transporter pad, we have Chris. Hello. A, Vul- a Vulcan hello to you. A Vulcan hello back. Which is apparently a punch in the face. Uh, <laughs> and Sandy, a Vulcan hello to you as well. Hello. That's a very Glaswegian thing to do. Hello, thump. <laughs> well, apparently it's a very Vulcan thing to do, but we, we go on. So, uh, we're all here on this ship. Uh, I, I thought I was going to do snazzy hologram communication, but we don't have the budget for that. So um, here we are in relative person to talk about the first two, count them, two episodes of Star Trek Discovery that just landed on Netflix over the past couple of days. Well, yesterday. So new Star Trek. Yay. Yay. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, before we go into spoilers, what are the thoughts I have really, really, really enjoyed this. I have been pleasantly surprised. I was a little bit worried. Like most people, you sort of sit there and go, oh no, what are they going to do? It looks really good, but then it could be terrible. But no, I've been really pleasantly surprised with this. Uh, different to what I was expecting. They've not sort of stuck um, too closely to stuff, so it's allowed them to be a bit more flexible. I like the format change. It seems to work and be nice and different in a way that might rejuvenate the franchise a little bit. But um, quality-wise um, and story-wise and everything, really liking it so far. Yeah, I can't really say much more to, uh, than that, really. Um, I, I was, again, pleasantly surprised. I uh, was expecting the worst and hoping for the best, and the best uh, won. Yay! Yeah, I was I was expecting it to be good, Um because I, I wanted it to be good, so I was expecting it to be good. Everything I'd heard, I'd seen prior to this point had been positive, uh, at least for me. So I decided, yeah, I was going to go into this with, with optimism, and it did not disappoint me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The second episode is probably not as good as the first episode, although I enjoyed both. I like the characters. I think it looks very slick and modern, while also remaining quite faithful to Star Trek's roots. So it's, you know, it's it's very much Star Trek being made now, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I don't think we can say much more without spoiling it, really. Um, so unless anyone has anything else, I will activate spoiler alert, raise shields, and we can, you know, we can sit in safety and chat about whatever we want. Change the bulbs to red and hit Changing that button. Changing bulbs, hitting button. Chris, are you okay with... Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to cower underneath the table here before it explodes. 
well, yeah, stay away from your console. That's the first thing to go. <laughs> so, that's, that, that, that's the first rule of uh, surviving a battle in Star Trek. Step away from the console. <laughs> it's a shame if you need to use it, but <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not worth your life. Although, yeah. Thing longers. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's what they need. Thing longers in Star Trek. Yeah. Anyway, going to spoiler alert. Okay, so we could have probably talked about this without through without doing the spoiler section, but we'll we'll stick it here anyway. Yeah, uh, there are sensitive people, so yes. The first thing we should probably go for is is the theme tune and titles because every Star Trek series has had its own distinctive uh, title sequence and theme tune, including Enterprises, which was crap. But um, well, the song was crap. The visual was okay. In your uh, opinion. Well, yeah, but I hate the song. It's just horrible to listen to. Um, I think from episode two, I was just skipping it. But so this one, I like the titles. I think uh, you know the sort of design of the titles is, is nice. Although the theme tune might need to grow on me because I can't remember it to think about it at the moment. You know, when I think about TNG or DS Nine or Voyager or original series, I can hear them in my head, but I can't hear this in my head. And I do acknowledge it's only been two episodes. And I haven't listened to it for one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> tisk, tisk. So if, you're not, if you don't listen to it, then of course you, you don't have it in your head. Although I, yeah. must, I will admit, um, I've got the same opinion there uh, in terms of it's, it's not memorable yet. Uh, the, it seems a little dainty and forgetful. Um, the, the, the sequence themselves with, uh, with all the blueprints and stuff, stuff like that... I actually like. I thought yeah, that's, cool. that's that's a nice little take. That's that's di- that's different to what you normally get, which is basically space imagery and stuff like that. Um, but I liked it. Almost, it was almost like a Bond um, title sequence. I had that thought myself. Yeah. You had you had the discovery silhouette, um, mm-hmm. which was a recurring theme, um, which I thought was a really nice idea. Um, I, I just liked it. The, the music itself. <sighs> With Voyager, I had the music in my head within the first episode. Uh, Next Generation, same thing. I really, really loved it. DS9 took a little while for me to get used to because I I found it very slow and boring. Um, But this one, I don't know, it's going to be a little while, I think, before I... um, before I I know the song uh, within the first few bars. I mean, any other any other title music uh, for Star Trek, I can tell you what it is within the first couple of bars. Yeah, and this one has echoes of the the famous fanfare in it as well. So it sounds like it's about to go one way, but then it doesn't. Yeah, and, just yeah. a smidgen, and then right yeah. at the end as well. It just it seem it seems disjointed at the end though, where it it starts to get into a crescendo, and then a crescendo, and then just. Just disappears. Yeah, like, it, cres- it does crescendo into sort of nothingness. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like the beginning, like they sort of put a little bit at the beginning of the sort of the next generation bit at the beginning with the little sort of tones coming in. And then it sort of drifts into a bit of nothing in the middle. And then they have a little element going in the end. But it, I, I'm kind of with you. I like the graphics. I like the sort of design elements that they've done where they sort of break the devices apart and sort of show all that. There's a bit of a weird sequence with flowers that I don't quite understand. <laughs> and then and then it, it sort of finishes. But it, yeah, I, I just... I, it's not... 
massively memorable music, but maybe we'll look back and go, oh, actually, that was quite feminine. But I, I do think it's one of those ones that's just going to be fast-forwarded, which is a shame for the graphics, but, you know, it's the music that kind of lets well, it down. Especially on Netflix, it comes up with skip intro within the first couple of <laughs> seconds. So, yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Click. But the, um, the thing is with... Um, you know, with theme, you know, main titles these days, right? I mean, uh, most of the shows I watch don't have them. You know, The Flash, it just comes up with a title card and then you move on with the episode. Arrow, same thing. You know, a lot of other shows, I understand I don't watch a lot of uh, cable television. So like Game of Thrones, that has a long title sequence every episode. And uh, I think True Detective did as well. Um, so I don't really watch them. So I'm not used to that these days. You know, it's it feels like a an echo of a bygone age for me. Um, although I understand that's probably just a personal thing. It could be that they'll they'll uh, they'll slowly phase it out once this if the show manages to establish itself. Maybe, although they put a lot of work into it, so I can see them keeping it. I always think it's like an actor agent type thing where the the rule is oh they'll be in it but they want their name on the opening credits and then the opening credits end up lasting a bloody hour. Because everyone's getting their name shown up on the screen and getting their own moment in front of a graphic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why these things seem to go longer and longer and longer each time. Well, it's like Jason Isaacs, he's credited and he's not even bloody in it, you know, the first two episodes. Well, I, yeah, I think that's because it's a, just a standard uh, title sequence. Yeah, although they did guest star Michelle Yeoh in, in those two as well, so... Maybe, maybe it's easier to take someone out and replace them with something else than it is to just completely redo the credits. Yeah, but at least it isn't a bloody Rod Stewart song. I'm quite happy about that. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Although, to be be honest, to go off on a tangent, I seem to be the only person in the world, and possibly the universe, that thinks that the music just fit the visuals very well uh, for uh, for Enterprise. I mean, I, I, I liked it. What can I say? It kind of covered the theme of the show, though, with Enterprise. That was the thing, you know. It yeah. was like pioneering. Let's venture for very sort of patriotic, styly music, just very over the top. But that kind of was the style of the show as well, though. Although it's supposed yeah. to be a show about science, and they're singing about faith. No, they're talking. They're talking about. They're talking about um, um, humans taking their first steps into uh, into the unknown, and that the song makes perfect sense. Forget about the faith bit. Um, but you know it's been a long road, and it's been a hundred years since the f- first uh, warp, and then the, the NX01 uh, launching. So yeah, it has been a long road. It makes I've, perfect sense to me. Well, I do remember every season there was a rumor that they were going to replace it with the traditional titles, and they never did. Yeah, there was no, even that one that on StarTrek.com that was like Archer giving a variation of the speech. No, that was just your. Um, that was just your intolerant fans um, <laughs> hoping for the, for the best. Although, I mean, I'll put it in the show notes, that Star Trek.com video of, like, what the opening titles might have been. That's quite nice. Oh, I've not, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well. I look you forward to, to the, reading the show notes. You need to visit the show notes of this show. Oh. Yes, I cer- certainly will, so I can uh, figure out exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, theme tune and titles we've covered. So, on to characters. Um, out of the main characters of this show, we only actually see really two of them in mm. these episodes. 
Um, so we see Michael Burnham, and there was debate over her pronunciation, at least on this podcast, but it was just Michael. Uh, although I've since been told that Brian Fuller likes to do traditional male names for female characters. So He so has got the writing credit. Yeah, that's his input. I guess he must have created the character, I guess, uh, even though he's not involved massively in the show from here on out. Mm. Um, so Michael and uh, Saru, I think he's going to be a main character. Oh, yes. Still. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. So, interestingly, when it comes to comes to this, what you have is um, the characters that you see, they all feel like a cohesive crew uh, right from the bat. So it's almost like this is the last episode of a, a Shen show, or have you pronounced it, a TV show that spins off into the Discovery. Mm. Yes. What? What's... <sighs> What can I say? It, it it feels like you already feel like you know them in a way. Um, There's what, that familiarity. Th- yeah. There is a, certainly a familiarity about it all when when uh, when you first see them. Um, you 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 can identify that they're 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 on some sort of mission when they're on the planet, um, uh, and um, obviously it's not gone as well as it should do. That's that's yeah, that's Star Trek for you. Beam down something, something goes wrong. Yeah. I really like Captain Giorgio. I do as well. What's confusing me, uh, I know this is a massive spoiler, so if you haven't heard the spoiler alert, um, mute now. What confuses me is she dies, but she's credited with 15 episodes. I wonder if they'll revisit her. It's, uh, it's, there'll be flashbacks. I think there'll be a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. It's quite possible, because uh, Michelle Yeoh is such a, uh, an accomplished actor... Um, it would have been. It would be a shame for her only to be in that one and a half. Epi- well, two episodes. Let's just call it. Yeah. Um, it would be a, a, a crying shame. So I'm hoping that they revisit because there, there was an element of um, time jumping. I mean, there, there was a bit where it said seven years earlier. Yeah. So may, maybe we'll see more of that. And I really liked that opening chat that they they had. It was like it's been seven years. Why are you still here? And it's it's almost like a dig at the whole Riker Picard thing, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yeah. I, I did I did pick that up. I thought, yeah, that's a nice little homage, actually. And there were elements of her calling her number one and everything yeah. like that, which I kind of noticed. Which yeah. is also a nod to the cage in in that sense as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I really like the angle of Michael being raised by Vulcans. I don't think it needed to be Sarek, but that's another issue. Um, but Raised by Vulcans is interesting because she approaches all of her issues, at least on the surface, logically, but you, there's that emotion that creeps in. So, you know, Klingons killed her family, so therefore she will react passionately to Kling- Klingons. When it comes to exploration, she's really excited, and and so on. Yeah, we've, we've basically got a human version of Spock there. She's got the logic... Uh, but she's got the emotions, and even more so. So she's she's probably uh, uh, she seems to be fighting more to keep the logic uh, this time. Uh, that, I mean, Spock was always trying to um, trying to understand the emotions, um, whereas um, Michael, I'm just going to be it's going to take a bit of getting used to uh, referring to her with a f- f- male name, but um, that's just the way it goes. Uh, is is knows the emotions and is trying to not let them control her. But she fails. Yeah, it's, it's almost a flick on a flip on Spock's um, conflict. Yes. So, yeah, he's, he's trying to suppress his emotions where she's trying to um, 
No. Yeah. You, you know what I'm trying yes, to say. Yeah. It, it, I, I couldn't quite uh, uh, articulate what I was trying to say. <laughs> what I was trying <laughs> to, to, to say either. It was just... It, she She's a flip on uh, on um, on Spock, but she isn't, but she is. Yeah. Hmm. But, and yeah, I do, I do. I do think she is a sort of inverse Spock, but it'll be. I'm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they sort of play with that a little bit. I don't know if the whole Sarek thing is something that is going to play in later. I just hope it isn't an excuse so they can get a young Spock on the show. Um, but he'd be about fifteen at this stage, mm. wouldn't he? Something mm, like that. Something like that. So that, yeah. that's the bit that's playing back in my head. Is that the only reason they've done it is to do some form of young Spock? thing in the background but or would he not be on the Enterprise by this point actually um, not if he's 15 but yeah. then, well, then hang on how old is he uh, when the I mean the Enterprise think about it the Enterprise um, was a good 10 maybe 15 years old by the time Kirk took took command but the implication is that Kirk and Spock are relatively similar ages well, Shatner and Nimoy are so Kirk and Spock, you know, and it's um, in any kind of secondary media you get, and including the two thousand nine film, they are well, they're born at like the same time. Yeah, they're fairly you know. similar. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. It's, I mean, I don't think that we'll, we'll we're going to see Sarek again because um, James Frain, who plays him, was only billed for one episode apparently. Unless IMDb is not up to date. It's quite, it's quite possible. If he's only billed for one episode, he's already been in two, so, you know... Um, this is this is possible. Plus, his um, his role in uh, Michael's life is too important. I, I, I don't think there's no, there's think been we'll, enough there. I think I saw, we'll see... I, I, I do think we'll see more of him, and I hope so as well. I saw a little bit of the after show that they have put on Netflix, and they had the actor on there who was saying that they were going in to film episode 15 or something. Hmm. So, um... Maybe buggers I off. For presume a while. you might be working for that, but yeah. The, the issue I had with Sarek, I, I have no problem with James Frain's performance. I thought he did a really good job, and and even him playing Sarek, it's like yeah, he's got that kind of crotchety thing down that Sarek felt like when they were in his one appearance in the original series. He's uh, certainly better than the guy that played him in the two thousand nine movie. Um, but the problem was there's nothing about that character that needs to be Sarek specifically. Nothing. Uh, couldn't Michael have been raised by any Vulcan? Yes. I don't think it had to be Sarek. I think that was more fan service. More um, here's a here's a here's a Vulcan that you know. You know, here's an established uh, character from the universe for you to uh, identify with. I think that it's more to do with that. And there was also the oh, by the way, there's a little bit of my soul inside you, so we can communicate across like across the galaxy and like what. I don't know. I mean, well, that's that was convenient. Yeah, I know. If, we're, well, if we're willing to entertain that th- some things are different, then let's why why not um, why not entertain that uh, an obviously psychic um, uh, race can do that. I mean, they do mind melds. Well, I there's mean, previous if, for that anyway because Trip into Paul had a similar yeah bond. So and if if we can accept that they can mind meld and then Trip into Paul can have um, dreams. Uh, with the same themes and same characters in them, then this isn't too much of a stretch, really. Yeah, it's it's just the fact that Sarek is not close to his own son uh, because he joined Starfleet, and he's like quite happy to 
you know, accept phone calls from a, a Starfleet officer that he also raised or helped to raise, apparently. Well, it's also... There are issues um, there. There are uh, other issues. There are other reasons why uh, Spock and Sarek didn't see eye to eye. Yeah, but the Starfleet one was a big one. Yes, but it wasn't the only thing. No. But in this case, we have someone who's not his daughter, who's human. Um, Obviously, um, it's slightly different. I mean, I don't have a particular problem with that. Maybe it'll get explained further on uh, down the line. Yeah, need to see how it goes, yeah. Indeed. I mean, I don't think we've got enough information there, really, to, no. to go on. Yeah, and, and I was thinking that the second episode might explain more why, why this guy is Sarek, other than the fact he's just there on a, you know, on a hollow communication thing. But the the second episode didn't adequately explain why it had to be Sarek either. No. So that, that's why I still have a problem with it. Fair but enough. other than that, he's fine. He's, he's a very good Sarek. Um other than that, and and the relationship he has with Michael feels quite genuine, and uh, I quite like the kind of the cracks in his emotional shields uh, when he talks to her as well. There's just little bits of, you know, little bits of. Well, I'm kind of glad you're not dead, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. That's good. But then smacks her in the face with, uh, you know, if uh, I wouldn't be risking my uh, my. My health for, for such sentimentalities as to say yeah. goodbye. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Vulcan. Yeah, I liked that bit. That was like, yeah, that's right back down to the nitty gritty Vulcanness. Yeah, because that's exactly what they would say. Of course, and it's exactly the kind of thing that Sarek would say as well. So, at least from what we know of him, remember he only appears once in the original series, which is mm. not an awful lot to go on. Although when we, you did, meet we, him did, we, the- we did, we um, did. Uh, we did see the character a few times in uh, the next generation as well, so we do have a look. We do yeah. have something to to um, hark back to. Oh, you need, when you meet him in the movies, he's much softer, though. You know, he's he's much more tolerant and much more relaxed and all that stuff. He's still a hard ass. Yeah, but not as much. I mean, he's still. Ref- uh, okay, maybe, maybe it was the what was it, Bendy syndrome. Hmm. But uh, he's still steadfastly refused to uh, discuss Spock at times. So he was still a hard-ass. But you saw a much more kind of familiar relationship with his son in the films. Films? Yeah, in the the original series movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, indeed. I was was talking about the next generation here. Mm. He's he's more hard-ass there. Yeah, well, he's just that he's gone mental, essentially, (laughs) in those those films, (laughs) in those episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. Michael, really interesting. Uh, I like the, I like the way she just becomes really excited about the prospect of exploration, and and she's very committed to the Starfleet ideals as well. It's about the we've discovered something strange. We need to look at it. You know, none of this. Oh, let's just leave it alone. What is it? I can't. I I can't not know. And um, her risk taking attitude as well. I quite like that. Um, mm-hmm. And how committed she is to protecting the ship also like that well yeah I mean it's arguable whether she makes the right decision or not in terms of mutinying essentially but I can see why she made that decision yeah, I, I can too uh, I just think she I, I personally think she went a wee bit too far uh, probably knocking yeah. out <laughs> knocking out the captain never a good move for your career to be <laughs> honest um <laughs> Oh, we've all but, been there, though. <laughs> well, we've all worked to punch our boss. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
to be fair, it's got that's it went somewhere that Star Trek hadn't been because the it was always either the captain saw sense with what the uh, first officer was trying to convince him of, or the captain um, insisted, "No, that's it. We're doing my course of action. I'm the one with the four pips. That's that." And then the first officer went, "Oh, yeah, okay then." Um, we've never actually seen them step over the line and knock their captain out with a Vulcan pinch. That's, that's that was just, I, I, I was looking at the screen and said, did she just nerve pinch her? <laughs> so that's and, exactly what I wanted to say is that, you know, I, I'm so glad that they did that because it's something different. Like you say, they've sort of changed it up a little bit. You've not had the captain talking them down and them agreeing and going, okay, fine, captain, and it all working out. You've not had... Uh, the first officer talking around as much as he does talk around eventually to to doing the sort of ship invasion towards the end you know it, it, she didn't talk around to to firing first so i i like that it just it breaks it apart from from the norm there's also the fact that she um does help save the ship and it turns out that to a degree she was right as in the, the you know she was right about what the klingons were at least planning to do mm. um but normally, whenever they do that in Star Trek, you've got the you know the, the whoever the character is that does something extreme to to get their point across. You'll have whoever it was they betrayed eat a piece of humble pie by the end of the episode and be like, "You were totally right. Your judgment was on point here. I just didn't listen." But no, she like her career's over as a result of this. Yep. Well, obviously it isn't because there are twelve, thirteen more episodes to go, but. You know, she's stripped of rank, put in prison. So even though she helped save the ship and arguably the Federation to a degree, um, she's punished. And that punishment will stick. And it's an interesting setup. The ends do not justify the means. Yeah. And, and that's, that's good. It's, yeah, and there's no reset. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's brilliant. There's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what is. Was this a flashback? And uh, in the next couple of episodes, we're going to see her on uh, on the Discovery, or is she going to be picked up um, by the captain of the Discovery because of her insights, Klingons? Who knows? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Well, that's the thing. Discovery hasn't really started yet. Yeah. You know, this is kind of a prequel to what Discovery. This is a prequel focusing on this character mm-hmm. because you know most of char- yeah, everyone else you see here won't really be seen. I mean, mm-hmm. the, Michelle Yeoh is apparently credited for all fifteen, but um, this isn't the ship that we're spending our time on. This isn't the crew we're spending our time with, mm-hmm. uh, and it's that's different because obviously every other Star Trek pilot has been about here's your ship, here's your crew, here's your premise, but this. These episodes don't do that. Yeah, it's 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 all it's all in the air. Who who knows yeah. what's going to happen? It's, it's interesting. I mean, normally it's like, well, this hasn't told me about the show I'm about to watch, but I think it's it's really good to get a kind of baseline, um, a, a baseline establishment of who Michael is as a person and how her world works. If she's going to be the main character, then it's good to know that you know this is where she came from. And this is something she needs to atone for, and this is going to be her arc. So it sets up her arc rather than the actual scenario. It's, it certainly does. It establishes the character, lets you know that she will go pretty far um, to um, do what she thinks is the right thing. Yeah. So she's going to be a bit of a wild card. And the, the show is meant to um, focus on her yeah. and, not, and not the captain. The captain uh, is going to be... Um, yeah, and uh, and also starring, essentially. Yeah. 
I would be surprised if uh, the cap. What's his name? Uh, Lorca, I think the the, um, the next captain. Gabriel Lorca, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's killed. You know, at some point towards the end of the series or whatever. Well, they haven't got Sean Bean playing the act, the, the the role, so. Oh, but Jason Isaacs, he dies a lot. Yeah, I suppose he does. Yeah, he's a yeah. very underrated actor, if you ask me. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I always get him mixed up with Jeremy Irons as well. I don't know why. I just do. It would be a good way to introduce you to the new captain to do a whole series and essentially of introducing your captain. You know, and once Jason Isaac's character is dispatched, moved on, uh, promoted, demoted, locked in prison, whatever, that you end up with Michael as captain. You know, and it means that you, you are getting that long introduction because normally when you get introduced to the captain, they're, they're either in station already or, you know, they're just being dropped off the boat on the first day kind of thing. Yeah. But with this, you're kind of getting a little bit of their backstory without it being tons of flashback episodes going, oh, I remember my youth or I remember my first ship and when it all got destroyed. It's like you're actually seeing it, which yes. might sort of inform later. And I, I think if, if it, that is a long plan, then it's a, a neat way of doing it. Yeah. And and it's good to see the, the character's old captain as well because uh, I thought Giorgio was really interesting because normally in Star Trek when they introduce other captains or admirals or something they're just they're useless they're incompetent you know they because they're, they're supposed to look bad to make the other characters look better yep. which obviously is not a good way to do it but she was she was always competent her um her approach was different that was the only thing you know she she was far more idealistic she was saying nope I will not fire first that's not how we do things um so you know her word was was the last word, whatever order she gave stood. Um, so she conducted herself with authority, with integrity, and she wasn't shy with her opinions. And you know, her point of view was clear, and it was made sense. Yeah, well, that's what you want from a captain—a yeah. good one. So yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's 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 just a shame that we—it's a shame that she's not actually the series captain because I th- I thought she was actually quite good, but. Let's hope um, Lorca has uh, similar attributes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good that she's not just obviously an idiot and that Michael just needs to supersede her because she's so useless. If I were them, I would make Lorca kind of a, an opposite because then you're going to have uh, Michael's coming in or Michael coming in with our former captain sort of mindset and way of doing things in there. And it would be an interesting sort of conflict between the two, actually. Sort of trying to mould it to be our former boss, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it could be interesting. Although I don't think uh, Jason Isaacs will play a kind of more reserved captain. I think he's going to be mm. hard as. Just based on what I've seen him do before. Yep, if, if the actors have any input in, uh, in how their uh, characters conduct themselves... Yes, I, I can see that too. I can. I can see he's going to be a bit of a hard ass, um, but I'm expecting him to be f- hard but fair. Yeah, I think if they, if they want to cast Jason Isaacs to be a captain, they want a particular kind of captain. Mm. That's my thinking because he's you know he's a name, um, a relatively big name. So therefore, why if they wanted to mould a completely different thing, then why not play pick someone who can who historically has played that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, so the characters. Uh, Saru, we don't know much about at this point, other than he's, you know, he's the I voice like of reason. Him. He's a bit of a coward. He's I like, like nah, him. let's not do this. I do like him, yeah. Uh, it's also his alien culture thing is, is very kind of, very clear. You know, you're either predators or prey. He has binary thinking. Yep. So, yeah, so he doesn't see the little nuances in between. I, I can I can see uh, if we do get to see him if he if he's a regular I can see him possibly developing uh, and beginning to see um, the nuances and not quite so binary. Well, yeah, he could be the data Spock analog, couldn't he? You know, I the, think so. Yeah. I think that's the intention. Because yeah, um, every series has one. Every series, ha- <laughs> yeah, every, every series has one, uh, but. Um, it's a, this one is a welcome one, you know. It's this isn't a well. We have to have someone struggling with humanity or struggling to understand why humans do what they do, um, but they've done it in a really good way. Yeah, and I love the bit where he said, "I'm a science officer. I can give you more insight than someone just reading off a monitor." And then he immediately <laughs> just doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. See, I loved, I loved the. Um, uh, the uh, the script, uh, well, basically what they're saying. I loved the interactions in the crew. It's almost Joss Whedon look uh, like in the almost in, yeah in the way that they interact with each other, and um, it's just so fresh. That I've heard, I heard a lot of stuff that I hadn't heard before in any Star Trek before. You know, you actually yeah. heard them disagreeing with each other openly, uh, and uh, she she pushed Saru out of the way. Yeah, you know, and he. Didn't like that. Although I would say that some of the dialogue was a little bit on the nose. the The opening, well, the opening introduction to um, Michael and Shorjo uh, was, you know, as you know, we're on this planet to do this, and that would mean that this happens. And then it's like, well, you would have probably had already had this conversation. And um, there was little things like when Shorjo uh, says she's having fun right after she says woohoo, it's like yeah. Okay, I know. And there was some of that, you know, there was quite a lot of this it, characters should are saying things that they shouldn't need to say because the other person should know it fine well. Yeah, that's fair enough, but we don't. Yeah, but that's always the difficult part when you've got characters that know each other and you need to explain it to the audience. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And I think that the script didn't find the best way to do that. Yeah, I was fine with it. It didn't, it wasn't a deal breaker by any means. I just... I just couldn't help but notice it, you know, throughout. It was, there was think, a lot of exposition. I think there was a lot more of that in the first episode than there was yeah. in the second. In the second, it seemed to really improve. I don't know whether it, some of it was trying to introduce and set the scene without having to put sort of text on the screen and stuff. Yeah, I think that's what it was. The, uh, by the second episode, um, in fact, in, even halfway through the first, you already knew you knew what was going on. Um, so they didn't have to explain things as quite as much. Uh, I, th- I think the uh, you just have to forgive them for the first few scenes uh, on the planet because they're tr- trying to tell you exactly what they're doing. Yeah, though interestingly, they didn't need to tell you what the Federation was or anything like that. So I can see how new Star Trek fa- or new people that decide to tune into this without having seen Star Trek before might have been a bit might be slightly lost with some of it because it doesn't it doesn't try it doesn't do this kind of prologue thing to explain the entire premise to you, you just have to no. go along with it exactly. I, th- I, th- I mean, CBS have said that you don't need to be an established Star Trek fan to watch Discovery and I think part of that uh, dialogue at the start was uh, in a way for them just to 
kind of get them used to the idea of exactly yeah. what's going on, but not, um, as you say, not overloading it with um, di- with unnecessary dialogue and or and or uh, narration. Yeah, I think they've made it so that you could come from the films, you know, the the sort of prime films, into this without having watched any of the Star Trek TV. So they are assuming a bit of knowledge there, but not like the vast canon that's come before. They're sort of going, right, well, you've maybe seen the two films, three films that have been out. You'll be able to pick up this. We'll give you little drops and hints along the way, but there'll also be a bit of fan service in there for people that have watched quite a lot in the past. Yeah, definitely. I think there's yeah, there's a, a raft of Easter eggs um, throughout. You know, it's... The opening scene in the desert planet reminded me a little bit of the opening in Into Darkness, actually, because it was the whole thing about we need to stop a species from dying. That you know the the mechanics of it were very different, mm. but the 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 concept was the same. We need to we need to do this without being seen, and then you know so that they largely get along with that. It even had the sort of ship flying you know close to the ground to pick them up kind of thing. Uh, yep, I, I liked how they had um, the, the they they've incorporated bits of the uh, of uh, the Kelvin verse into this, yeah. where you you get, you actually saw visible jets uh, of thrusters as it was keeping itself um, from hitting the ground. Yeah, uh, as it was beaming them up, I thought that was quite that that was quite cool because I've always liked that little bit uh, from the from the uh, new films. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 amazing how they could do a a perfect Delta Shield insignia without being able to see what path they were going to be taking, mm. just by walking. You know, this it's incredible. Well, you'd you'd imagine people who are able to co- uh, compute um, space trajectories uh, at warp speeds would be able to do a basic two uh, D shape. They can do a, they can do a giant art attack on a planet without yes. having seen the. <laughs> Without knowing, without planning it in advance. Yeah, yeah it's a small thing. Cool. Yeah, it's a very small thing. It's nitpicking. I like to nitpick. I, we certainly know that that you do. <laughs> uh, so, kind of the the story of these two episodes. It's centered on your resident Klingon Kuvma, who's a a Kalis, um He's a Kalis fanboy. Let's put it that way. Fanatic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, he's wanting to bring the Klingons back to that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and his desire is for isolationism, which is interestingly relevant to today's world, mm-hmm. as Star Trek often did. So where the Federation take on the, no, isolationism is bad uh, side of the argument. Um, when I watched the first episode, I thought there was going to be more to his plan, but it turned out it was just essentially... The the mystery aspect of it was that they just hadn't finished explaining it yet. And it was pretty simple, to be honest, but, which I quite liked. It was a good introduction, and I think it will have consequences that ripple through the series. But actually, I was looking at it as this is the plot of the entire season, where it doesn't seem to be. It was just, you know, there was a very particular problem they needed to deal with in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it was... I don't think it's uh, the the whole series is going to be completely about the war. Uh, it's going to be, certainly there's a lot of it's going to be about the fallout of uh, um, the the first two. Uh, I mean, this little battle that they had. Yeah, I'd say little, but um, there were there were deaths, so it's <laughs> not very little. Uh, but I think it's going to be it's going to be dealing with the fallout of that and uh, bits and bobs in between. Um, I was quite shocked actually that. Um, he died. Yeah, me too. I'm like, oh, wow. 
cool. I didn't see that coming. I, I expected him that he was going to be the lead baddie, and he's going to he's going to pop up every now and then and just be a thorn in their side. What's well, the immediate hint? It calls back to Michael's conversation with Giorgio. It yes. was you kill him, he becomes a martyr. Yes, and you immediately see him being cradled by the uh, the albino Klingon mm, guy. Yeah, you know the strange. Who, who's clearly going to pick up the mantle and be like, look at the Federation, they killed him. There's That's the reason we can't trust him and we have to stick to our own guns and we'll close our borders and all that stuff. So um, I think it's going to, she's going to be proven right for creating a martyr out of um, Takuvma. Indeed. The, the, it, but this time it was unintentional. It wasn't uh, a deliberate act. That yeah. it was. They didn't want to make him a martyr, but they have. And, and, and do you know what? I, I kind of liked the fact that I was surprised in his death. I was exactly like you guys where I was sort of sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be the baddie that's now going to crop up and every week you're going to see him sort of manipulating something in the background and everything. And then he was dead and I was like, oh, okay. Well, this has taken a turn and it's uh, it's a really, you know, exactly what I wanted, something different. Yeah. They've not done the obvious. Um so yeah, I mean it's a it's a good beginning to to show this sort of Klingon uprising that's starting, and you know the houses uniting. I I love the fact that you opened with the Klingons rather than opening all with the planet scene. Yeah, uh, you know the sort of big rousing speech to to get his masses to show that everything's starting to to brew up. Uh, I think doing that was was excellent. I even like the sort of graphic where they come out from his eyes. It looks like a planet vortex thing. Very neat. Cool. Yeah. Very very neat. Doing everything in Klingon. Mm. You know, that was awesome. Yeah. Although, when, I mean, I had a busy day yesterday, as in when it appeared when I watched it. So I watched the second episode in the afternoon. I watched the first one, then I had to go out. And the second one I watched when I went home, and I was quite tired. And there's a lot of subtitles. Mm. And I kept nodding off. Not because I wasn't enjoying it, but just because I was tired. But I kept nodding off and having to rewind them. And what was no, Yeah, the, the excessive Klingon speaking was... It was a bit much to keep reading, actually, I thought. No, I, I, th- I thought it was quite good, because all too often you just saw, uh, heard a couple of choice phrases or words, and that was it. The rest of it was in English. I'm like, these, these are aliens, let's hear them talk in their own language for, for once, and they've gone and delivered that. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. It was very immersive. You... You you actually started to uh, to like the Klingons. I mean, I wasn't sure that I was going to like the Klingons as they are now. They're I th- I just thought they're a little bit too just too different. Um, uh, the Klingons have always been incremental changes. Uh, these mm. ones are just smack you in the face different. Um, they co- they look completely different to um, uh, Klingons of old. But I I I actually like them now, and I'm actually. Um, I was actually quite sad that Takuma died. Actually, I'm like, oh. Well, but, yeah, I thought it was weird that the. Um, I don't know. I thought it was weird that the. They they changed them so heavily. Although it does, it's a nice update, and um, it does make them look more alien. Actually, um, yeah. The the weird thing I found was you were talking about the Klingon speech, mm. um, with no English, and then. During his opening monologue, the last line "We come in peace" was in English. Yeah, and actually, I thought they were. Ing- that's what the Federation say. 
Yeah, although I thought they were going to be doing a kind of Hunt for Red October style thing, you know, that, that scene where it like zooms in and then suddenly oh, yeah. they're talking English after that. And, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that you that then after that they speak English um, yeah. on screen. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that would have been quite cool, actually. But you know that that's very stylistic for Hunt for Red October. It's like, okay, this is a turning on the translator for you, the audience, but everyone's still speaking like Russian, Indeed. or in this case, Klingon. Uh, I, I don't know. I struggle with subtitles myself, so I think the there was a heavy reliance on Klingon speech which made me struggle a bit it meant I was paying less attention to what was going on in the scene as well I don't think it was a reliance as such I was just like, they're Klingons, they're talking Klingon yeah I mean, having them speak English would be a heavy reliance on the so-called translator hmm yeah I think it it works if you're seeing them with uh, Starfleet people and you're hearing the translation but I like the fact that when you're seeing them talking amongst themselves you're getting it in the Klingon dialect. The one thing that I did notice was it, it felt like some of the actors were struggling with it a bit. Yes. There was I there was a lot of, like, one word, then stop, then say next word, continue, <laughs> which was going on. You know, it seemed very, like, I have learnt to say this this way and I will present it like so. And, it, you know, I, 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 to be honest, don't envy them because... You, who are you going to learn from, really, uh, to, to act and cling on? So, um, you know, but I did notice that a little bit, you know. I think the prosthetics might have made it difficult as well. It looks like it made them quite difficult to move their mouths and things. Yeah, so. the, 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 teeth, the, the teeth prosthetics that they've got in, it's both, both it looks, from uh, at least from my casual observation, um, that they've got both... Bottom and uh, top teeth uh, prosthetics in. Yeah. So that's gonna that that was certainly giving them the um, cotton wool in the mouth sound, mm. uh, which I think um, is just a byproduct. But who's to say if you've got teeth like that, you wouldn't sound like that anyway? Yeah, perhaps. I think um, yeah, I think some did better than others. I mean, there was there was a couple of kind of extras that were there to say one line, and that was them and. Um, but the the long conversations that did become apparent that they were perhaps not as prepared for this as they should have been, mm. and it's a problem when they're only supposed to be in a couple of episodes as well. You know, it's but some Klingon uh, utterances do sound like that. Yeah, um, if you listen to them, sometimes it does sound like they're talking like this, you know, almost Shatner ish. <laughs> um, it's just the way that. that the word, the language is spoken. Yeah. So um, there might be an element of that as well. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not in any way an expert in Klingon, so I wouldn't really be able to tell you. But maybe there are some Klingon speakers out there right now that are going, ah, actually, you're talking a lot of rubbish. They were talking exactly <laughs> as they should. <laughs> maybe. Um, I do like the state of the empire in these episodes, though. The idea that it's fragmented. They need someone to rally them round. You know, it kind of brings them back to the whole Kalis creating the Empire in the first place. Um, you know, we've, we've forgotten the unforgettable was quite a striking statement kind of thing. It's, all, it's also a nice little... Um, um, I found anyway, uh, you didn't see much of the Klingons in Enterprise. And those you did, did see, there were only one or two ships. So maybe the, the Empire was fractured back then as well. Uh, and this is just going on from that yeah 
and they have to unite the 24 houses. Um, they've not been seen by Starfleet for a while, which I found interesting. Uh, they just haven't encountered them, so there's this idea that there's a lot of internal crap going on that they yeah. work through. The implication apparently being, um, and several I've seen several people uh, suggest this, is that after the, their dealings with Starfleet uh, during the uh, Enterprise series, they've decided to um, just not be in contact with us. Yeah. Which is fair like, enough. Yeah. We'd be nothing but troublesome with... to them, so yeah. we just leave them alone. It's like, ugh, yeah. A large part of our population have lost their ridges and yeah, whatever. Yeah, we have, a, we, we, have pro- we have problems of our own. Let's just leave these federations alone yeah. for the time being. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the start of the. I guess the the series might end with the the uh, establishment of the neutral zone between the Federation and the Klingons, and it's possible. Yeah, it really yeah. depends on how much uh, um, and how how um, close to continuity they want to stick. I mean, I was just, uh, I was having a conversation earlier that um, sometimes just breaking away from continuity, um, saying, yes, thank you, it's been a nice ride uh, holding t- holding to the canon, but now it's time to just break with it and um, spread our wings a little. Yeah, and I think that naturally brings us on to the kind of design elements of it. I mean, this is obviously, looks far more advanced than the original series. Mm-hmm. Because we live in the twenty first century, yeah. and we have better tech than they had, you know. Yeah, holodeck or hologram communications, for instance, aren't far away for us. So why wouldn't they have them, you know, instead of view screens? Yeah, um, you know, they they dallied with that a bit in Deep Space Nine. You know, the hollow communicator for an episode. Um, yeah, and then and, they just forgot about it. Yeah. And it's, it makes more sense. I mean, you hail someone, you get a full 3D image of them in front of you. I also like the fact that it flickers and stuff, telling you the technology is still not there. Um, still not perfect, but it's, it works. Uh, it's it's cool. Um, you still have things like transporters and stuff. The, the bridge looks quite sleek and, um, you know, technically advanced, although they still don't have circuit breakers for their consoles. <laughs> so they still blow up in their faces. But in spectacular fashion. <laughs> yeah. There's holes in, the, holes in the side of the bridge and everything like that yeah. appearing. It's, it's just spectacular. It's awesome. You, you can, you can, as, as I was saying to, to Chris earlier, um, you can tell that these episodes have a massive budget. I mean, eight and a half million dollars per episode. Yeah, it's mental. Every, the, this uh, the 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 two-parter felt like a film um, with it, the look, the visuals of it, the the bridge. It doesn't look like it's uh, been knocked together over a couple of weeks and made out of wood. It looks like it's made out of metal and glass. Yeah, it it looks fantastic. It's just a shame that we're not going to see that. But from the screenshots that we've seen, the um, disco, as I call it, bridge is going to be uh, even better. Disco bridge sounds awesome. <laughs> if, it, if it does not have a glitter ball in the middle of the disco bridge <laughs> and Whenever sort of a light up <laughs> panel floor that they can sort of shimmy across as they head to their consoles, you know, yeah. sort of tagging each other in and out as they're, they're taking their positions. What, then what happens it, yeah. is when they go to red alert, the mirror ball just starts like a disco <laughs> thing. <and they> just <laughs> Formal evening wear is, is a white suit. 
with a black shirt and everybody's uh, you know strikes that Travolta pro- pose that's going to be amazing yeah <laughs> I'd watch that yeah <laughs> definitely I love, I love the design of the bridge I thought it was really neat and uh, yeah I mean like we were saying earlier on I think some of the the battle scenes in this are better than I've seen in the films you know it was it was spectacular the way they did it big lumps coming off the side of the bridge you know, you're seeing them getting sealed back up again. You're looking at the the damage that's visible, damage that's being done to the ship. It's not just like a couple of lights out in the cells and a bit of smoke coming out the back. Yeah. It is. You know, you are seeing physical chunks of ship coming off. Was it me? Was it me? Or did one of those people, one of the bridge crew, actually disappear through one of those holes? Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. Although there was still a bit of the shields down too. Percent. You know, well, problem. yeah, you have to at the end yeah. of the day. That, that's another little nod towards um, Star Trek of old. Uh, also, all the, all the noises that the that the bridge is making, it's all original. It's all Star Trek. You know, it's you can hear all the noises that you expect to hear in Star Trek. They're just slightly repurposed and coming together a little bit quicker. Yeah, someone um, someone went to Trekcore and downloaded all the sounds. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd also like that um, you could have a discussion and a debate with the computer, which I thought was interesting. It's like you've never yeah. seen that before. Normally it's, you know, computer deactivate this and the computer goes, yeah, sure, and off it goes. But no, you know, you have to sit there and have a 15-minute a, a debate about how long you're going to live before the computer decides, yeah. all right, sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like, it's almost like entering the extra data, isn't it? Yeah, you know, as in the you know, well, um, yeah, I can't deactivate the force field because you don't have the authority. It's like, okay, why don't you consider the fact that I'm going to die in five minutes? And like, yeah, okay, whatever, and we'll deactivate the force and like burn them out. Logicking a computer was quite an interesting little scene. I, I liked that, I, and the and the computer just going, yeah, you've got a point there, more or less, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, I thought that was good. I, yeah. I want. Do we know who voices the computer? No idea. Um, it's, it's a definitely very nice, one. clear voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's obviously the, the computer works differently than it does in the original series. Mm. You know, it's usually they have to put, put a, a bit of plastic in and wait for it to spool up. But in this, it's the much more next generation style where it's always ready to listen to you. I mean, we've, we've already got computers that can talk back to you yeah, almost naturally. Yeah. So we can't go back to the computer in TOS. <laughs> Because yeah. it wouldn't work. Everybody no. would be like, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. No, the so, computer is a Tasia or Tasia Valenza is oh, the name of the, the actress that does that. She's done a, a few sort of animated uh, shows and video games and things. There we are. Someone new then. Yeah. Yeah. I totally didn't Google that. I knew that off the top of my head, honest. She's <laughs> <laughs> your best friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Meeting it's, up for it, coffee later. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a uh, it's and then someone uh, posed uh, you know uh, the question if Ma- uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry was still alive do you think they would have gotten her to do the computer maybe not actually possibly not maybe not with as uh, as interactive as it is now uh, but but then again that's not a, a reflection on the actress no sorry it's actor they're, yeah they're doing something new that's indeed um, well in in two thousand and nine. She All they was, did, oh, she had two lines. And that yeah, was she it. was in it. Yeah. Yeah, it. That was a little. This is just to keep the the fans happy yeah. uh, thing. But uh, yeah, it was, and that was the last we ever heard of her. If they really wanted to, they could dredge up enough computer chat from her and just fill in the blanks. You know, they, 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 she's probably said pretty much everything they'll need her to say in these things. So 
Um, <laughs> Make it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, that's, so that was a good sequence. And and the battle stuff was, was really cool. It was. And I really like that the the it's less about the spectacle, even though it is there, but it was focused on the character. So what you had, especially when you had a fleet of Klingon ships outside and it was about the mutiny inside the ship. So it's, yeah, what's important is in here, not out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's what I really like. It's yeah, you understand whoever's working on this understands why we like this crap. Yes, I think uh, a lot of people um, had a had the inc- had the feeling that CBS don't know what they're doing. Actually, and I was one of them. I was I, seriously, I was. They so far they had not done anything to convince me that they knew what Star Trek was about. But. Uh, and I will admit it, I was wrong. They do know. They have been listening. And I'm fairly certain a lot of that is thanks to Brian Fuller. Mm. Um, but obviously, you've got to uh, remember Nicholas Meyer is uh, also involved still. So he his influence is going to help. Yeah. And uh, and Alex Kurtzman as well. He's 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 been involved in um, Trek in, in some uh, fashion. So... Well, his job in this show was just to get people in place. Yeah, as well, I he, understand it, he, he did the right thing. Yeah, he, he's he's done a good job. He hired um, the right people. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm I'm hoping that these two episodes weren't just a fluke. Yeah, well, that's always the possibility. Yeah, I think I think in terms of aesthetic, it resembles the Abrams yes. or the Kelvin verse more than than the Prime timeline. Although it, it does. doesn't doesn't really matter. I no. mean, it is. It is set post the divergence because of the fact that Kelvin would have been attacked, you know, years ago. In um, either, w- yes, yes, no, you're yeah. quite right. Yeah, you're quite right. It is. Um, although I can see how it does slot into the um, prime timeline. Uh, if you look at the some of the, uh, especially the phaser, and yeah. the communicator. I mean, the the phaser that they're using looks like a, a primitive version of the phaser from the original series. But it fires the, um, the the bursts instead of the beam instead. Yes, because the yeah. beam, the beams these days it, it, it'd be it's a bit too, uh, let's just say retro. You know, they're they're using today's sensibilities when it comes to what we find as um, advanced weaponry. Well, it means you have more compelling gun battles that way as well. Precisely, yes, yeah. in, indeed. Uh, and um, but the phaser does look like. Um, it's it's a precursor to what we see in the original series, and I like yeah. that. T- that's a nice touch because it, it's also got the 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 the, cylinder, the what looks like a rotating barrel at the front, mm. which we see f- in the cage uh, briefly. Yeah. So I th- I like that, and the the communicator it doesn't it looks like a Star Trek communicator. Yeah, flip phone. Yeah, yeah. it does. It, it just that does it for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's like okay, these guys are respecting the history um, and they're not completely spitting in our faces uh, and expecting us just to, to, just to take it. Yeah. And I keep coming back to this with wherever Nick mentioned the, in one of our previous podcasts, the whole, it's like comic book artists drawing things differently. And um, there's one example I think of, it was a Spider-Man series, mini-series that was kind of set just after he got his powers. Um, but it was written fairly recently. So from the writer's point of view, they imagined that it took place 13 years ago. 
Um, and so the, the world looks like it does 13 years ago. But you still have like elements of it from the, the 60s Spider-Man stuff. So, you know, people use computers, they use phones, but also it, the art is kind of that, that era-esque. I mean, it's not quite there, but it's similar. And um, I think for this, it's just, yeah, this is what the 23rd century looks like now that we have so much better technology and better understanding of how to make special effects and, you know, we have the money to spend on it. This is just what it looks like now. And Absolutely. if you can just imagine that the original series will look like this soon, they haven't used technology that actively contradicts anything that they had, at least so far. Yeah, indeed. I mean, they're on an old ship with old transporters. It's yeah. not state of the art and stuff like that. At least in the first two episodes, anyway. Well, yeah. uh, who knows what the discovery is going to be like? Um, but the, no, no, you're quite yeah. right. It is today's um, interpretation of the future. Yeah, uh, we couldn't go back to the original series if no one would accept that nonsense. No. Seriously, I mean, it works in a f- in fan film. To a certain extent, because you've got a very small audience who enjoy that thing, but you couldn't do a series um, with something that looks like the original series today. Yeah, and you know you can see um, you can see people getting really bent out of shape out of the Delta Shield insignia on the, uni- the uniform. Yeah, absolutely, but that's yeah. why everybody knows. Yeah, although interestingly, it's not exactly the same. It has a line <laughs> through it on the, near the corner. So uh, yeah, it, there's there's a significant <laughs> step. Yeah, I f- still feel they've got, they went they try too hard to be different there. Well, it, it could be quite funny if uh, if if someone comes out with the fact is well, it's not exactly the same. We have that little line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did the minimum to make it yeah. different. Uh, it's like, well, you said it's exactly the same, but it's not. So uh, yeah, the Enterprise one is just slightly it's different. A slightly different shade of metal. Yeah. Uh, look, the look the Starfleet design bureau are really like really not that. <laughs> they aren't that innovative. They just, you know, they're, no. they're all bored. They, mm-hmm. they hate their jobs. They're they're never getting promoted. They're stuck <laughs> in dead end jobs. All they do is just, yeah, whatever. You need a new symbol for this ship. Here it is. To be <laughs> honest, to be honest um, I never enjoyed the idea of every um, of every ship having its own uh, uh, logo, its own symbol. It doesn't um, matter. It, yeah, it, I didn't. I never really liked it. So. It doesn't matter to me that they're using the Delta. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it in Enterprise, where every ship has its own patch. That was cool. Yeah, that's yeah, that that's cool because it was it's um it's the beginning of uh, of uh, Starfleet and they're learning how to do things. And they're following it like Navy ships do at the moment. You know, Precisely. every Navy ship, every naval unit, all have their own little insignia. You know, you'll have one for your unit, one for your ship, one for the team that you're working with, one for the mission that you're currently on, you know, all that. It, absolutely, and obviously that falls by the wayside as they, uh, as it becomes more routine and uh, every day that yeah. humans are in space. Mm. Uh, so yeah, no, you're quite right. Uh, and I like the idea that it's just that they just use the delta because it's the it's everybody knows what the delta is. You know, you yeah. have to you you will have had to been living under a rock to not know that that delta means Star Trek. Yeah, and um, I, I don't I don't personally have an issue with it at all. I can just see the the nerd rage coming. You know the how can you like this crap because they did this wrong oh yep yep I'm, I'm seeing it I'm seeing it already seriously yeah. I don't like the fact that the the pips the ranks are on the badge I don't mind that yeah uh, actually my, my favourite um, I'm not hating it my favourite 
com badge out of the the um, next generation era was the one that doesn't really happen. You know, the uh, future imperfect one where the rank is on the badge. You know, yeah, have, never liked that idea. No. It seemed it seemed cumbersome then, and it still seems cumbersome. Yeah, it just means you can't borrow your mate's badge if you're late for work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like I like the uniforms overall. I think the uniforms yeah. look all right. They're not too you know bright and luminous. You know they've not gone for the the change of shirt color really, apart from the sort of bits down the side, mm, and that, yeah, the, that uh, sort of dictates got, who you are. It's quite a subtle details, way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, you've but got it's silver. Not. You've got silver, bronze, and gold highlights uh, mm. for each department. We, uh, gold is obviously command. Uh, I'm not sure what silver and bronze are. They're the, one's science and one's engineering. I don't know which one's which just yeah. yet. And there's bound to be a medical one. You see a doctor for like oh, a minute. Oh yeah, or so. they're wearing white. Yeah. The, uh, medical seems to wear white uh, uh, all over. Yeah, so so that all the blood shows up while they're uh, <laughs> yeah. while they're operating. Absolutely. You know, you you want them to come out looking like they've uh, <laughs> they've just been yeah. working in a butcher shop for the day. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the white gowns, they, it comes from back in the, the days of yore when uh, when your butchers would sometimes uh, be um, your surgeon. <laughs> well, they had all the knives and everything, you know. What's, yeah, that's the difference, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, of course. Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea that the, the, the doctors are wearing white. Yeah. Uh, it makes them instantly identifiable when you see them walking along a corridor. Yeah, and um, the ship designs themselves, you don't get a good look at most of them. They're, they're all right. Yeah, they don't seem to be. They're not objectionable. I like them far much more, far better than I, than what we see in in the Kelvin verse. Yeah, uh, there 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 is a they're more grounded um, in uh, Trek history. Um, it's the the Kelvin verse ships. It's like someone who's never seen the Enterprise has been asked to draw draw it and um, just do whatever you want. Yeah, just, it's just with it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's huge nacelles which are too narrow, too long, and not on the just not sitting on the pylons properly. It, the whole thing looks tail heavy and stuff like that. But in in this, it looks like it, I I wouldn't be surprised if John Eaves had uh, um, a say in the design of the ships because it looks like something he'd pen up. They're pretty. Um, they're pretty similar to the principles of most Star Trek ships, anyway. Yes, but at yeah. the same time, different. Yeah. Um, Johnny's uh, for the uninitiated. He's the guy who, amongst other things, designed the Enterprise E, the Sovereign class. Yeah. Um, he's been uh, and the NXO one. Yeah, actually, yeah. no, that was yeah. Doug Drexler. Oh, right, okay. If I remember correctly, I think he had a little bit of input, but Doug Drexler was the one, he was the main guy who penned the NX01. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, Eves has been with Star Trek since, um, oh, he's been around for a while. Uh, he also he also did the modifications of, of the Excelsior for, mm-hmm. to make it into the um, Enterprise B. Mm-hmm. So that's a quick history on who he is. <laughs> Well, the the Shen show is uh, is it's got nice like red decals all over the hull and stuff. It, you know, it looks unique and interesting, and obviously that's the best rendered one because it's the one we see the most of. But the, you know, the others are are a bit more simplistic slightly because you only get quick glimpses of most of them. You, yeah, indeed. The, the, it looks like it. It does look like a very early Starfleet to me. To me, yeah, it does. Um, it looks like uh, they're ju- they're just um, they're keeping round about the same idea. Yeah. Um, 
saucer section with uh, knee cells. Yeah. Um, a couple of them. A couple of them have got uh, bits and bobs coming out of them. Some of them, one or two of them, are barely even uh, saucer sections, which mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. It's 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 a burgeoning Starfleet. They haven't um, got all the technology that uh, we know from the next generation, so that they can build big, massive starships that look really, really super cool. Uh, they look functional. Yeah, I wasn't hugely impressed by the Klingon ships, though. Eh, yeah, I think they'll grow on me, but um, they're very, very ornate. Let's just say. Just give me a bird of prey, and I'm happy. Yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see what was wrong with uh, bird, the, the bird of prey as it was, but uh, I can see why they went down that route. They try because they've completely redesigned the Klingons. Why not mm. redesign their ships as well? They the two hundred year old Nagvar was a bit weird. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, especially the, the, the outer hull was comprised almost entirely of coffins. That's a bit yeah. uh, morose. But it was hey. a bit of a big black death ship kind of thing, although it was pretty old. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah. hey, it's it. You can clearly identify them as being a very alien um, uh, race. They've got a completely different design style, and I liked that. It's fresh. Yeah, and we'll maybe see more traditionally Klingon designs as the series progresses. It's possible. Yeah. I think the ship designs are really neat. Um, exactly like you guys have said, you've kind of hit the nail on the head before I've got here, but um, you know they're similar but different. They they follow the design aesthetic we're used to, but they they seem to have got to bob on. I I don't know whether this is why they've had quite a few delays and people were all going, oh, why is it being delayed? Oh, it means it's going to be pants. I have the feeling that a lot of the delays have been them trying to get everything right. You know, they've been looking at things like ship design and everything and going, would this fit in? Does this look better? What have people's complaints been about it in the past? So it went down and went, right, well, we'll fix that, we'll fix that, we'll tweak this, and well, there we go, it works, they, you know? They actually delayed the show because they found out when my 30th birthday was. And they wanted <laughs> to make sure it premiered on the same day. Ah, you're telling everyone it's your 30th. We all know it's your 40th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Belatedly. It's- it's uh, it's now internet official. Old Father yeah. Time Mackenzie over there. <laughs> That's it, Father Time. And uh, Star Trek Next Generation is slightly younger than me. Um, <laughs> so check out that pod, those two podcasts. Could uh, be worse, you could be 37. Could be. Um, yeah, it could no, be a I... lot worse. Could be a lot worse. But Indeed. yeah, new Star Trek. Yes, I think... Great. <laughs> I think the whole reason why everything's so ornate for the Klingons, basically, is because they didn't have to build miniatures. Miniatures, it's all, it's all CGI. Yeah. Uh, and done properly, and it looks good. It gives them the ability to do all sorts of neat stuff. So, but yeah, new Star Trek, and it's been a long time, a very long years. time, since I've been having to wait for the next episode. I know. It feels, yeah, I, I f- yeah, I literally feel twelve years younger. Um, <laughs> Even Enterprise, I never get caught um, on TV during its run. Oh, I was always watching Enterprise as it, as it was uh, coming. Yeah, yeah, back 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 in the day, I didn't have uh, I didn't have Sky, uh, and the internet wasn't quite so developed that you could find stuff to download it from. Um, well, speak for yourself. I mm. heard that some people could do that. Well, yeah. some yeah, there was a, the ability, but you had to know where to find yeah. it, and I was a little bit more naive back then. Mm. And also, um, if your mum picked up the phone to have a conversation, your dial-up connection would disappear. <laughs> so, like, oh yeah, mother, I, 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 that, that episode was ninety-eight percent downloaded, and now I'm going to have to start again. Yeah. Thank you very much. I was halfway through a JPEG there, you know. <laughs> yeah, indeed, I almost got to see the crotch. No, sorry, I meant. 
what was it the you know the Simpsons comic book guy it's like oh Captain Jigwee yeah. <laughs> she's appearing line by line yeah it's like oh my word and the first line is blurred and it has yeah, to go over okay. across again yeah yeah oh I remember yeah. fear that pain but yeah no, I'd, I'd uh, broadband 12 years ago but uh, I didn't barely but I did I didn't and so I had to wait until I could uh, until a little later on and then I binge watched um, the Enterprise Um, did you not have Channel 4 it appeared on Channel 4 I think so Uh, Mm. but um, yeah I'm one of I was one of these people still am to a certain extent that there's always something on there's always mm. something going on, and I'm not always in. I very rarely actually catch anything on TV. I mean, my TV has not been on since about... Oh, yeah, July. Oh, jeez. I watch mine everything on my... On, right? any, anything's on my computer, and when I'm not in front of my computer, I'm not watching anything. Hmm. Fair enough. But yeah, um, yeah, we all have to wait for new Star Trek, which is... Yeah, yeah it's a weird feeling. It is. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean... There, were, there used to be a one-day convention in Glasgow called the Away Team, mm-hmm. um, and that's where we would catch up with the latest um, Voyager. Um, uh, to, the, to to some point, the latest DS9 as well, but when DS9 finished, uh, it was the latest Voyager. Yeah. Um, and it, it was once a month. I th- it was either on the first or the last Sunday of each month. I can't remember wh- which one. doesn't matter. Um and I genuinely remember looking forward to it because it, it, there would be episodes that we wouldn't see here for a good six, seven months. Mm. I mean, there, there was no Facebook then, so there was nobody doing spoilers unless you actually went into a, a forum. But then uh, you could quite easily see that it was a spoiler because everybody marked the, the, the post spoiler alert. Mm. So you didn't accidentally And arguably stop. there was nothing really to spoil in Voyager anyway. <sighs> well, that's your opinion. <laughs> but the, the, the excitement... Of, hey, we're good. there's a there's a new episode to see, you know it's it's back and I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah, I can't. I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm already uh, eagerly anticipating it, and um, it'll arrive on. Uh, apparently, it arrives on streaming on Sunday, but I don't know what time it gets to us at. I I I'm sure I read somewhere that the first two episodes. Uh, would be would uh, would air back to back on on um, on CBS television, and then would be immediately available online as along with a third episode. The first one, no, it was always the first one was going to air on CBS, which it did, and then immediately afterwards, the second episode became available on all access. So it's like you want right. to know what happens next. Oh, Get to your computer. Right. You know, like. now I'm starting <laughs> to understand. Now. Yeah. now I'm understanding all the hate posts are saying yeah. I only saw half the the first episode. Yeah. So it was the record of um, the, apparently there was a record number of signups for CBS All Access, yeah. whereas you know next month will be a record number of cancellations. I'm as sure people don't want to use up their free month. It's possible. <laughs> I'm also uh, I also just stumbled across something saying. Uh, Star Trek uh, Discovery is CBS's most pirated show so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? Putting it, putting it behind a paywall on a digital platform and somehow yeah. pirates have got a hold of it already. That has <laughs> I imagine. Me, that does has me, have me concerned for the um, sustainability of the show. Well, um, it hasn't hurt Game of Thrones any, really. <sighs> no, but people are... Expe- uh, the Game of Thrones... Uh, um, it does appeal to a wider audience. And it was on a platform that people already have. 
I think that's where we're lucky over here that it's on Netflix yes. rather than being on a standalone platform. You know, so a lot of people here US. will already have Netflix, whereas yeah. you're basically making it the only thing or one of the few things that people will want to sign up for for a completely new platform over in the States. In- indeed, which ne- me- means a new desktop box, you know, a little box that sits next to your computer and uh, your um, TV and everything, because that's how it works over there. Uh, so that's just more, that's more wiring and stuff like that. Well, I think um, you can probably get the app on like Xbox and stuff you can, like you that. You can, yeah. but apparently the the um, on Xbox the the app is very janky. All right, okay. Very clanky indeed. Apparently, it's not working quite as well as it should. Hmm. Meh. That's just one person's opinion. It's just one of my friends, but I do trust uh, what he says. Um, I do feel, however, um, we know that the CBS CEO Les Moonves doesn't like Star Trek. He's the one that cancelled Enterprise, just as mm. it was getting into its prime. As soon as CBS took over UPN and therefore got the rights to Star Trek, the f- one of his first moves, just like the Director General uh, of um, uh, BBC in 1987, was to cancel... He cancelled um, Doctor Who. Second, he sat down behind the desk. Right, cancel that, that crap show, he says. Um, the first thing Les Moonves did is cancel Enterprise. And you knew he didn't want anything more to do with Star Trek because he had the the sets bulldozed and the all all the um all the costumes and everything sold off so you knew he didn't plan on bringing star trek back yeah and now you're at the point where they've spent a lot of money remastering uh, not them. next Netflix. original yeah. no the oh um, no the original oh next generation yeah well that was yeah. only because they they basically had to uh, force that through the door yeah, and then I mean Netflix have some stake in Discovery, I would I think, but it's yeah. a CBS produced show. So what I what I under, what I understand from the deal is Netflix actually stumped up the production costs, forty mm. million dollars, something like that. Right. Therefore, they've gained the right to show it on all territories other than America and Canada, um, which has worked out well for them. Yeah, um, but if it doesn't do too well in the US. Because um, that's all that CBS are probably going to look at the the ratings for their um, show uh, on their network, or in this case C- CBS All Access. They'll see that it's not doing so well, and they might just cancel it. Well, it's doing well so far, so I don't think it certainly is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the audience reaction is roughly similar to um, the Orville. Yeah. So, who knows? I'm hoping it does well, and it does well enough that CBS, that Netflix, at the very least, go, dudes, let's get let's get uh, season two signed off, and let's get going. Let's, yeah. let, let's get. But I, again, I've still got that little bit of distru- distrust in CBS. It um, might be that if it does well on the access, and at the beginning they might eventually air it on actual television, and then it will pick up again. Yeah, who you knows? know, it depends on if they stick to their guns and they go, no, it's going to be on this digital platform only because yeah. we want money. Um, mm. You know, rather than putting it on proper telly, they are already quoted as saying Star Trek doesn't work on on TV. I'm like, did you not pay attention to the last forty from, years? I think from a financial point of view, um, it's it's often had pretty diminishing returns financially speaking because the co- you know Star Trek shows have historically been the most expensive TV shows well, on that networks had well, to yeah. produce. Indeed, sci-fi shows are not yeah. easy because everything has to be bespoke. Yeah, which is why, um, which is why, if you pay attention, I'm sure you've noticed this uh, in Next Generation, Voyager, DS9, and even Enterprise, 
a lot of the set pieces are the same. They've just been repainted. Yeah. Um, but th- that and that's why they were able to make those shows uh, Lots because of stock footage. because they had stock footage and they also had a lot of sets just sitting there. Yeah. All they needed to do is rearrange them slightly, paint them a different color, and there you go. You got Alien of the Week uh, yeah. bridge. Um, once they destroyed all that, all that was gone. Their their excuse was um, we don't have enough room to uh, store it. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> Because you've still got the Wizard of Oz sets in storage. <laughs> um, once they destroyed all that, they got rid of all their costumes, all the props, all the um, all the models, and everything like that. They would have to start from scratch, which is probably why it wouldn't work initially on TV. But now that they've had Netflix go here, here's 140 million, go forth and make Star Trek. Yeah, it has to be profitable before they air it because there's just no there's no scope to take a risk on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in in that way, in that case, it's it's what they said is kind of correct. But um, if they were meaning in general, it would never work on Star on TV. They obviously didn't pay attention to the to the forty years prior to that. Yeah, I think I, I think that's what I don't I don't think they meant conceptually as a television show. It doesn't work. I think they just mean in the practicalities of production. Mm. Uh, how, and how television is now, especially science fiction, it doesn't work. It doesn't no. work for them as a financial model because it's just so expensive. Thing. I'm sure the I'm sure similar issues have been ra- or, you know raised about the expanse and things like that. The expanse is awesome. Very very and, good. And, I can and, highly and recommend on, the expanse and the books as well if you if you really want to. The fact that it's it's also a Netflix thing. Netflix seem to know a good thing when they see it. Yeah, generally speaking, some of their so some of their original movies are kind of cack. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the program that w- that we have um, in the UK, anyway, is a little bit janky. Uh, some of the the films and stuff like that. Uh, I was recently in the US, and uh, when I signed into my Netflix account, it switched it to the US Netflix. <laughs> my word, they've got much better stuff. Oh, of course, we get less than a third of the library. Yeah, they've got much more stuff. I was, I spent almost an uh, almost an entire hour flicking through things that I hadn't seen on uh, the UK Netflix. I'm like, this is just awesome. I need to get myself a US account. Well, it's harder to do now. It certainly is, but I I do have a I do have a ooh. We should yeah. uh, table this discussion. Yeah, because yeah, we've got no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to say what just came into my head, but um, I ju- I think I figured it out. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, Star Trek is back. Yes, um, um, we're back to the heady days of eagerly, nail-bitingly waiting for the next episode. Yes, um, and um, wondering what's going to happen. Uh, and I, that's just got me really excited. And yeah. then it's I'm I'm about twenty years old again now. <laughs> and from what I can tell, the serialization aspect is going to be more character-based than it is plot-based. Which is good because they are still trekking through space and, and need to find stuff. So um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there's not a persistent Klingon menace that's going to turn up everywhere every week and then escape every week. You know, the, uh, I, I quite like I quite like the idea of uh, a redemption arc if that's what they're going to do. I think that keeping it yeah keeping the serialization focused on the characters works better for Star Trek because because it it it's less limiting in terms of what you're doing with plotting. Yes, I th- I'm looking forward to what they're going to do. I mean, the hat that you know, the the gloves are off. They're um, obviously out to um, tell a story, um, and it's not the traditional Star Trek way of the, of doing things. 
uh, mm. how they how they are actually doing it, and that I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I know a couple of diehard fans who really can't get into the aesthetic and really can't get past the f- the point that they 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 looks like they're throwing cannons out the window slightly, or airlocking it to use um, sci-fi parlance, um, but. I'm I'm fine with that. Time it's it's time. Sometimes you just need to brush off the 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 cobwebs and start afresh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely fresh. It's modern. It's it's slick. It's interesting. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And uh, I reckon we should get together around about hiatus time. You know, to see how the season's going. Yes, uh, yes, mid-season break, definitely. That's probably going to be just before Christmas, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. Well, if they're clever, that's well how they'll do it. Yeah. yeah um, I'm looking forward to the Discovery Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's just hope it's not as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> I mean, it was a Star Wars holiday special. It was Life Day. Uh, whatever. It was, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I would rather gouge my eyes out. <laughs> Yeah, I, ch- I stuck with that until the point where Grandpa Wookie is watching uh, basically hollow porn, <laughs> and then I, I just went, "No, that's enough. Bye bye." Yeah, the less said about that, the better. Yes, indeed. But we digress. Um, yes. yes, holiday special. Love it. I yes. like that idea actually. So, Chris, are you excited about more Star Trek? Oh, definitely. Weekly Star Trek for a while. Been been looking forward to this for ages. You know, the the films have been a nice stop uh, gap measure, but um, yeah, this is definitely on the right track so far. As long as they don't disappoint, uh, I'm sure you'll hear me grumbling come hiatus if they do. So yes. uh, yeah, no, really looking forward to next week already. Yeah, we'll try and make up a commitment to get together around about hiatus time and yeah. have a chat about it and see what we're thinking of it at that point. Um, Finally, a reason to look forward to Mondays. Who looks forward oh, to oh, Mondays? Geez. No one yeah. apart from those Star Trek yeah. fans, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah. Indeed. Um, although um, I will be reviewing it the whole time, I've already reviewed the first two episodes, so also check them out. I certainly will be watch, uh, watching and reading your reviews uh, with anticipation. Yes, I'm, I'm mostly positive. Well, I've been positive about the first two. Uh, the jury's out, and the rest. We'll see how it goes. But Excellent. I'm optimistic. I'm looking forward to it. I expect them to do it right, not to do it wrong, which is always good. You know, it's it's. I keep saying it, but watching The Flash last season, it was like, how are they going to make an arse of this this week? <laughs> fair enough. Well, yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's fair to say they're off to a very strong start. Yes. It has yeah. impressed me, and it has um, it has won me over. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, uh, does anybody have any kind of closing thoughts, uh, or are you happy for me to beam you back to your respective places. Yes, break me down to component parts and send me away, please. Yes, I'm going to make a copy of you and destroy the original. As some oh, might think of the technology. Very, Heisen- very Heisenberg. Yes. <laughs> I don't, uh, my Heisenberg compensator is on the blink, so there's no guarantee that you'll arrive the same person <laughs> that you left. Taxi? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the shuttles are offline and uh, uh, you, you know, you, you don't have to go home but you can't stay here. <laughs> just wander the halls aimlessly yeah, exactly yeah so thanks for joining it's been great chatting about new Star Trek instead of just you know having repetitive conversations about the old Star Trek so 
Not that the conversations were repetitive, but they were kind of repetitive. So. Well, they were, they were. and It, it has all been said. Yeah, going over old uh, conversations over and over and over, you know, things that people have, already, have been discussing for literally decades. Yes, but on that note, you know, with that in mind, please check out our Next Generation podcasts and the Wrath of Khan podcast and the Star Trek 50th Anniversary podcast, where we have the all those same conversations in slightly different orders to other people and <laughs> <laughs> slightly that's enough you know that's enough apparently for some well certainly oh, all yes. five of you thank you very much for for listening yes uh, five you five people are awesome thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> so uh, step on the transporter pad keep your legs and arms inside the beam otherwise there'll be some horrors to, to deal with doesn't matter can I sit down on it if if I arrive at my destination somehow merged with Sandy, I'm going to be really angry with you. Well, I, don't I, know. I, I don't know. It could, could be good. <laughs> <laughs> make the ne- make edit in the next podcast significantly easier. <laughs> it's all right. We'll be able to share one microphone with our two heads. That's Woo! it. Be, yeah, that, be that character from uh, Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Anyway. Thank you for joining, and are you safely on the transporter pad? Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, see you out there. And energizing. I regret nothing. That was our discussion on the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. If you enjoyed what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. We hope you'll join us on the next Nail Before Pod.